0: Oh,
1: it's oh. Hey, on goal! On goal. Oh Bateman, no. Oh goal! Through the zone, his mom taking matters in his own hands. feints a shot, shoots. Oh, oh my God! <laughs> BYG <laughs> Celebrity does the sweeping of the ice. My feet, it really does it chance oh. oh, that's a goal
0: from Nicholas Hauger! And now he's celebrating...
1: The oh God, it's in the danger zone. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh, no, oh
0: sorry. no, sorry, 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 we're laughing. It's just, that was bad timing. Sorry. Hello everyone and welcome back um, to the BIHA podcast. It's been a while. How are you doing, Nick?
1: I'm good. Thank you. You yourself, Rambo?
0: I'm um, doing very well. I, I know I just introduced you there, like you and I have it, don't speak between podcasts, but I mean, that's not factually true.
1: <laughs> You're on about it. I've not talked to you in three months. What's going going on?
0: <laughs> so, um, since our last podcast, we've had a, a lot of stuff. Uh, the last podcast you and I have done, um, we had a lot of stuff to digest. I we had a special with Casey Trail. Um, quite exciting to see uh, the first British woman, um, you know, drafted to the NWHL. Nick, what what, what was your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a massive opportunity and it's certainly something that um, I know a number of years ago, obviously, uh, it's something that no one could have ever thought of would happen, but obviously it's real and um, really opens a massive window for, for other girls, similar to what we talked about previously when when Liam was drafted to the men in the NHL draft. It, it opens kind of that window of opportunity for, for other people to aspire and think, yeah, we we, we can achieve this. Like, the, the goal is not unreachable, so... Um, no, it's a massive opportunity and it's uh, it's something that I um, wish her all the best in obviously pursuing in the in the near future.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think the thing is, um, I'm a little bit disappointed in it, is that she she got drafted by the Buttes and um, I would sort of last year declared my allegiance to the Toronto Sixes. So now I kind of have to be a Buttes fan. So yeah. nah, apart from that, it's, it's all good. Um Really pleased for her. Uh, I we Obviously, I, I spoke to her on the last podcast. seems like a really um, nice girl and a, a bit unlike um, perhaps other NHL um, draft picks and hockey draft picks. She's, uh, she was working in Weatherspoons at the time I spoke to her. So. <laughs> um, but a bit of a different path than the NWHL, perhaps. Um, but, uh, yeah... I mean, that league itself, I'm hoping that it, it goes from strength to strength. I quite enjoyed the bits of it that I watched last, last season. I don't know, did you catch any of it on Twitch?
1: I, I caught a couple of little bits, but I think we'd both touched on previously the, the turbulent history that uh that women's hockey had, had in North America and how dunno just kind of needed grabbing by the scruff of the neck, didn't it, and, and shaking down in the right direction. But you never know. This 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 might be the this might be it. and hopefully fingers crossed it is.
0: I hope so. I mean, I, I, they kind you need a strong um, women's professional league in North America. I mean, I think um, the NWHL could be that, but it needs the backing of the likes of your Hillary Knights and, and all that in the long run and perhaps a few more teams. Um, I think gone are the days where six teams is enough to have a sustainable business model. Um, well, it's a start and it's, it's trying to do something, um, hopefully we'll not have any more um, aggro with with podcasts and uh, and sports media companies that shall remain uh, nameless um, <laughs> as well, um, you know, flexing their muscles and 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 all that. But anyway, um, so that was that was Casey, and then of course um, friend of, we call him friend of the pod Liam Kirk uh, signed his entry his entry deal. Which he was—he he talked about quite a lot um, with us on the podcast. I'm very pleased for him, Nick. Um, how did—how did you uh, take the news of that happening?
1: Yeah, obviously, I know it was a good couple of weeks ago. It was obviously kind of announced that it was going to happen, but then um, obviously they asked to come a day when the—the the old sign on the dotted line comes along. And—and and no, uh, to be honest, seems like a very humble, down-to-earth, uh, down-to-earth young young guy who. Has now got the future ahead of him in terms of he's got three years to, three years to make it or break it to an extent, and given everything that I've seen so far and the challenges he's overcome with flying colours in in, a, in every instance so far, like you'd be a silly man to bet against him.
0: I think so. I mean, um, I I don't want to put pressure on him. I'm not sure he listens to the podcast other than the one that he done with us. <laughs> if he even listened to that. Um, but I would kind of predict that he could be the first British-trained player um, to appear in an NHL regular season game. Um, I I wouldn't put it higher than that. I'm not trying to, as I say, put loads of pressure on him, but just with what he's overcome, the the ability showed in the World Championships after having been away playing junior to cut finishes one of the top goal scorers slash points getters in that tournament. Um, on, a, on a side that's not considered a great side. I mean, the British boys did really well. And I, I mean, I can't play as good as any of them. But, you know, in terms of that group that they were playing in, they're not considered to be talented side and Liam Kirk came out and and showed that even with the more limited talent around him he was able to produce so he's going to have better talent around him in Phoenix sorry Arizona Um, and I I think he can he can maybe uh maybe produce so I I don't know if you'd agree with that Nick if you know that the more talent you have around you the easier it is to play this game isn't it
1: Oh, massively so, and 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 the one thing I would say is, uh, and and this is not a slant at all about Arizona or the place that he's landed in, but it might it might be kind of the perfect storm in terms of Arizona do seem to be going down this route of a total tear down and kind of resetting everything and and not necessarily looking at having a stacked roster looking to looking to win the Stanley Cup if you know what I mean and seem to be going for like maybe a long term rebuild which. Then does lead to a lot of people being given opportunities and, and given chances that they might not necessarily have. I'm, I'm not saying, for instance, if if Liam Kirk was a Toronto Maple Leaf, that he he wouldn't make it. If you know what I mean, but I'm I'm saying the the odds are looking quite favourable in in his in his location that he's going to be landing in. So um, fingers crossed. I think everybody in the whole of the UK is behind him, and I think there's a lot of people in North America would probably be quite behind the story if it does come along. It'll be a, it'll be a nice story, and I'm sure the I'm sure the good folks at the NHL will be uh, will be plugging for this because it uh, it's a good story for them as well. So um, you never know. Fingers crossed. Um, I'm I'm guessing there will be some uh, there might be some <clears throat> unnamed uh, unnamed podcast company style stuff uh, involved when the time comes because uh, one of their large personalities does work for the Arizona Coyotes. So you never know. He might get he might even get a mention on a on an equally reputable podcast.
0: Yeah. And and when I when I brought that up about and um, then WL I wasn't actually particularly picking on that podcast just to be clear oh
1: no no man. it's the, the um, company bit
0: it's more the company in in itself um, that took a sledgehammer to crack a nut I think I'll, I'll not say any more than that but um, yeah so I mean I, I think good on good on Liam for he signed his entry level contract and I would expect that will play. A bit of time in the AW, the AWHL, the AHL. Um, I don't know who Arizona's um, affiliate is. Um, I'm not sure if you know that offhand. Yeah.
1: Oh, oh, uh,
0: um, but, you know that that the AWHL is going to be a, a higher level than I would say that most British-trained players have ever played in. I'm not sure Colin Shields ever played in the AWHL when he was yeah, drafted. So-
1: the most likely options for Liam next year is obviously in the organisation that he's joined is obviously the Arizona Coyotes at the NHL level. Uh, there is the Tuscan Roadrunners um, at uh, the AHL level and then obviously the Rapid City Rush as the ECHL affiliate. So um, expect one of those to be getting Liam Kirk next year.
0: Yeah, yeah well, I think... I'm kind of hoping he, he gets in the AWHL side... Um, and and that becomes a bit of a mainstay for him um, until he and then hopefully he jumps into the you know the um, the uh, the NHL team. Um,
1: so five. It, five, five pounds says that there's Tuscan Roadrunners jerseys on sale in Puckstop stop within uh, within two weeks of him getting there.
0: Yeah, if he, if he ends up there, I I can certainly see see that being the case um, for him. Um, I mean. If he do, I mean, if it doesn't work out for him, um, and then I think this moves on to what I wanted to talk a little bit and get your thoughts on next. If it doesn't work out for him. He can always sign a one-year deal with the Buffalo Sabres
1: <laughs> for a week <league> minimum. <laughs> yeah, but, but remember, he, he was supposed to be moving forward in his career, not backwards.
0: I know. Um,
1: I am a, very much a
0: long-suffering uh, Sabres fan. Uh, I got into the team back in sort of I think it was ninety-nine, two thousand when they when they got to the Stanley Cup finals and lost. Um it was ninety-nine they were lost in the finals, but part of it was wasn't just because they got to the finals, it was also because Mike Pecca I'd never seen really seen a proper power forward before. Um yeah. or couldn't remember seeing one before because I was younger. And um, that was me sort of starting to focus more on professional sports and become more of a sport, sports geek. And that's why I became a Sabres fan. And then they, you know, they had some good times and some bad times in the 2007, six, seven season. They they won the President's Trophy and they've been pretty rubbish ever since that. And since they started, those players that were involved in that had to move on. Um, but this rebuild... It's insane. I have never seen a team, and you can you can tell me if you've ever seen anything like this, who signed so many players to one year contracts in in a, in a single season for the league minimum. I mean, they they signed, uh, you know, Craig Anderson's been signed to you know in his day was a great goalie. Forty
1: two um, years old, whatever
0: Yeah, I, I don't know whether they've signed players almost as a how can I put it? As a sacrifice for a year, so they can get better draft picks, and then hopefully sign some better free agents.
1: They've well, there's 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 two there's two different schools of thought on this. There's the fact that obviously Buffalo are expecting to again be an absolute tire fire next year, mm-hmm. in which case, having all these players on one year deals, maybe, obviously with them being on league minimum. Some of them will be on two ways anyway, so some of those probably are AHL signings anyway. But then outside of that, if you do get someone on the league minimum who comes into your NHL team, does pretty well, one-year deal, you get to the trade deadline, you flip them. Obviously, it's a good, attractive proposal for another team, someone on making bargain books who can come in and is having a good season. You could probably pick up some draft picks for that. And, it's yeah, it's all in the... You you've got to have uh, you got to have some assets to then try and get rid of, and obviously from Buffalo's point of view, they're pretty low low risk, low value assets when they're on uh, on league minimum. But it's certainly an interesting uh, an interesting way of doing things.
0: Yeah, I, I almost wonder if you know with the with the Sabres, you know, quite um, uh, young sort of goaltending core. If that's why Anderson's been signed, I could kind of see the deal the sort of maybe let's see if he's a good locker room guy um, and can help these guys out because they've got a lot of young goalies. Um, the players, it's an unusual tactic, but it could be one that's genius in the end. That, as you say, you can flip them, but also if they're all in one year league minimum deals and and they're in the NHL team, the effort they're going to give is going to be higher than Eichel who's mentally checked out of, of Buffalo already. And, um, You know, these guys are going to give as much effort as they can to to try and keep an NHL contract. And maybe it's not the Sabres that keep them on, but the Sabres might be able to keep some of these guys at the end of it and give them maybe a three- or four-year deal. Um, So, yeah, I think think there's merits in it. It's just a very odd situation that the Sabres have got themselves in that their roster is so bad.
1: It is, the, it the, is the, very it is very odd, but the one smart thing is it's very, uh, what I would suggest is very low risk, high reward.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm sure that um, after Matt Diabo listens to this episode, because I know he does ultimately listen to all our episodes, um, he will send me a message and tell me his thoughts on this because he's a big Sabres fan as well. Um, but yeah, I mean... The good thing for me is being a Sabres fan with them being so bad is I can kind of have a second team. Um, so this year, I'm going to kind of root for Seattle as well. Um, yeah, that, uh, is, obviously is we've had a bunch of with us too. I also quite like their jerseys as well. We've, we've been through this. I think I like their colours and, and that sort of thing. So... Um, yeah, uh, that's good. What else have you got in the NHL? What else are you looking forward to seeing in the NHL next year?
1: Well, I was actually just going to – I'm not sure how much you followed it, but I was going to get your thoughts on the expansion draft because that was – a lot of people have slated Seattle for what they did considering what they could have had. But you got to remember, not Vegas is very much the exception to the rule that aside from Vegas, all the other expansion teams have stank the place out for a number of years. In which case, have Seattle done the right thing and not mortgage the future and trying to win now and perhaps going for a bit more of a manipulative, slow, slow build kind of? We've got all the cap space. We'll take some, uh, we'll take some bad contracts off your hands, but you're obviously going to have to give us draft picks aplenty. And then five years time, suddenly we've got a really good roster.
0: Yeah, I I heard the rumblings. Right? I didn't. I to be honest, I don't follow the NHL close enough to know many players beyond the big names or maybe some Sabres players because I don't follow it closely enough. But my thoughts on it are is they, they kinda went for in goaltending terms a sort of middle of the road pack, you know, like two young guys, sorry, youngish guys, but also um didn't go full out Let's get Carrie Price, um, and have a party because I think they realised that Carey Price's cap hit was massive, and one of the way Vegas done it was they it, they seem to manage to, you know, get good players on reasonable contracts. But you know, I think if you end up with like a Carey Price who's got a big contract, who's a great goalie, one of the best the game's seen. Um, and, you know, ever, then they they end up in a situation where they have to try and build everything around that. And I'm not sure that that's the way to go about it. I think they want to have some players and they want to have some scope where they can improve um, and make a better team. I mean, I think some of the players they've picked, I think they've been quite sly. I think, like, Yanni Gord, who has obviously won the Stanley Cup twice in a row with Tampa Bay, is a really clever pick for them, because he's the type of guy who's got experience in, in, in leading a team, uh, well not leading a team, but experience from being in a team that's made it that far, he's the sort of player that you can, you know, he's 30 years old, he's got two or three, maybe four years left in him, he's the sort of player that I think is a really clever signing and can do really well for them, I don't, I don't know if he's someone you maybe picked out as a great, a great pick, but I, I particularly like that pick.
1: Yeah, I think there was a lot of moves that they've made have been really smart. And I think their whole thing was, well, we're just going gonna... to... I do think they could have gone slightly more down a Vegas route. That I do think there were deals there to be made in terms of that there were players, there were good players available, even outside the big names that probably teams couldn't protect. And it's a case of, well, what are you going to give me to not take this guy? that's the route that Vegas went down and obviously got tons of tons of futures for it. And that's obviously why the Vegas team is so as good as it is right now because people had to give away things. I, I think they could have done a little bit more of that. Um, obviously, the one one example that comes to mind is obviously the young netminder that they took from Washington that then after making Grubauer their big free agent goaltender signing, they then obviously flip him back to Washington where he came from before, which does make sense. But I, I think there could have been a little bit more creative with some of the scenarios like I do know that um here's one for you one scenario that I'd looked at quite heavily is it's it's within the rules that you can't pick a player and then trade them instantly back to the original team and retain their salary so in other words you can't mortgage it in that direction but to be fair you can't tell me that someone at the Montreal Canadians didn't kick around the tires of you guys select carry price retain 50% of his salary Trade him to a, a third party team, who's then going to trade him back to us. Third party team gets a, a draft pick for the for the admin, basically. Um, and in exchange for carry Price, only costing five million instead of ten million for the next five years, um, we'll give you first round draft pick or first and a second or something. Or mm-hmm. I think they could have been more creative in some of those scenarios. That I think there's a lot of teams that want cap help, which then having room to take on bad contracts is fair enough. But I think there's a lot of teams who would have quite happily had their players borrowed slightly and come back on modified uh, contracts with retention for Seattle keep, keeping some of the money?
0: Yeah, I, uh, I I think that's something they could have investigated and, and been more creative with. Um, a lot of, especially in the American model of sports, um, a lot of it comes down to, you know, now being creative with contracts. You look at the NFL as well, where, you know, Tom Brady's got a contract, I think, I can't remember if it's the same now, but he, he extended his contract to him playing until he was about 49 or something at one point.
1: Um, Isn't been getting pretty much like nearly league minimum or something? Uh,
0: no, it's not quite as much as that, but it's, it's definitely he is, considering how good he is um, and how important he can be to a team, he's getting a very low amount of salary um, compared to other quarterbacks. But realistically, he's not. He's getting quite a decent salary They've just, what they've done is they've kicked it down the road. So they spread his salary over five years instead of over two. Um, So his contracts always sort of are team friendly Um, and that he'd done that with New England Patriots. And he's, as far as I understand it, doing with Tampa Um, and it's all creative. You know, whoever can be the most creative with your contracts can actually help you build a really good roster and, You know, Seattle, I think, I wonder, you know, we talked about the skill level of some of the players they brought in and how they haven't brought in, you know, nearly the highest, the high level that they had from Vegas. But I wonder, is that the market as well? Is that, you know, in Vegas, ice hockey is not a big thing. Um, You know, it's it's pretty new. Vegas having professional sports teams at all is pretty new. Um, And they want to make it a success. And to make it a success in Vegas, the Pretty much have to make it an awesome team, whereas um, Seattle Seattle sports fans are mental and and I don't mean that in a bad way. They just love their sports teams. It doesn't matter how good or bad they are. Um, they support their sports teams. I mean, is it a little bit of that that basic? Because I mean, Mariners still get loads of fans going to their games, and they've never been anywhere near the playoffs, and you know, in years in baseball, so. Is is it maybe that that the, the the people running the crack and realize well we don't need to instantly get to the playoffs in the Stanley Cup final because we will have fans there anyway even if we're a middling team or a slightly you know below average team people will come and watch us and support us.
1: I think yeah again I think that's got uh, that's got merits but. um one thing that's actually just twigged me just there. Uh, are you are you up to up to date much on the marc Andre Fleury situation with Ve- speaking of Vegas, or or is that a new a new story to you? It's pretty new. Has he not been moved from Vegas? I- yeah, so obviously Mark Andre Fleury obviously used to be with the Penguins when it was the Vegas expansion draft. The Penguins kind of wanted to move on, so convinced him to obviously uh, surrender himself basically to be available for the for the. Vegas Golden Knights, went there on the proviso that basically, and he has been, if you look at all their social media, he's the face of the franchise, if you know what I mean,
0: mm-hmm. and, uh,
1: and has been, but then obviously uh, one Stanley Cup final appearance and two basically effectively Western Conference final appearances and one second round appearance in four years, obviously is uh, it's not good enough, so obviously they've, uh, and also, we've been in the Vesna Trophy last year, obviously it's the best netminder in the, in the NHL, Mm-hmm. Obviously not good enough. So basically, they threw him away to the Chicago Blackhawks for nothing, mm-hmm. absolutely nothing. Which um, to me is rather scandalous, really. Uh, and didn't even didn't even have the heart to tell the guy he found out on Twitter.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's where the the you know the the harsh side of professional sports, and um, you know, I I think that it's absolutely appalling and. You know, because you're moving your family. It's not just that like you're moving, you're moving. You know, if you're, if you're 18, 19, it's not so bad to, to be traded because in, in the sense that you're, you're unlikely to have, you know, a wife and three kids to move. Um, and it's not like, you know, it's not like me moving and being traded to the Stags um, and having to move across the M8 or I can still stay in my home. I mean, moving from Vegas to, to Chicago is a pretty big move. Um, so I think I get more hacked off with the, the idea that he finds out on Twitter um, I, I, could, I, I didn't quite grasp that bit of the story um, I'm not so worried about them trading them for nothing because at the end of the day they're only hurting themselves and they're probably thinking well that leaves us room to sign somebody else um, but, they, but they're finding out on Twitter I, mean, I think you've got to go and speak to a guy and say look this is what we're thinking we want to change our, our game plan here Um, And we're thinking of moving you to, we're going to move you to Chicago. They they don't have to ask him because he's not got no trade. But I think to, you know, not tell him that that trade is going down before it becomes news. And that's how you find out is is shocking, quite frankly. Um, It takes nothing to pick up the phone these days um, and tell people.
1: Um, Meanwhile, somewhere there's Jack Eichel sitting crying in a corner wishing that he'd find out on Twitter he'd been traded.
0: Well, that's true. I mean, going back to the Sabres, Jack Eichel once out of once out of Buffalo yesterday. Um, now, and I, I, to be honest with you, I'm a Buffalo fan, and I don't blame Jack Eichel for wanting out of Buffalo. I um, haven't seen him live. Uh, I don't think he's a great center. Um, I think he's a very good hockey player, but he looked a bit lazy in the two games I saw him in. Um, that's just a two-game span. It's harder to tell on the TV what he's doing. Um, but yeah, Eichel. I mean, Eichel. I'm surprised they haven't dangled. I don't know if they're dangling Eichel out there to trade and maybe get a veteran who's got a kind of more friendly contract for a couple of years that they can keep and maybe help some of the younger boys. Um, but again, they were going back to the Sabres. We're becoming very Sabre centric. <laughs> which is really unfair. Um, so, um, yeah, I hope, I think the, the Kraken have done a good job in the, at the end of the day. I think they've done the best job they could have done and been sensible rather than sort of Vegas, who maybe will have a massive dip in a few years' time when some of these, these guys they've signed either get traded away or, or um, disappear. I, I'm not sure from my understanding... And we maybe need an American on to discuss this. I'm not sure Vegas is... A lot of people love Vegas as a place to live.
1: No, I think it's uh, it's a place to visit, not necessarily live.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I'd absolutely... Um, I'd absolutely love to go and visit Vegas, but I don't think I'd ever see myself living there. It's the same with London. I think London's a great place, but I'd never, ever want to live there because it just is really busy and... It's quite expensive to live in and stuff like that, you know. Um, but looking, at, let's let's cross back into our own our own world of of ice hockey. Um, the elite league seems to be starting to shape up. Um, looks like we're going to have, I think, maybe ten or eleven teams. I'm not sure about five, um, Nick. But you, how are your, how are your Steelers looking? Are they still looking like they're
1: going to be the team to beat this season? <clears throat> um... I think it'll be back to let's face it, it'll take it'll take a minor miracle for that championship not to fall somewhere in the hands of Sheffield, Nottingham, Cardiff, or Belfast. Really, outside of those, four, really would be a shock for for someone to <clears throat> come up from nowhere. But it could be um, it could be interesting. I think the problem is you obviously get a lot of these people who uh, a lot of these teams sign sign these players. But then you just don't know kind of how they're gonna pan out. Like there's a lot of big name players that do come to the UK and six weeks in get a better offer from somewhere in Europe and go bye-bye. So again, someone might have a really good team on paper, but it doesn't necessarily make a difference when when they get on the ice. But I think there's much anything else, I think, as an elite as an elite league fan, or certainly the elite league fans will certainly just be happy that hockey's back in whatever form it is in terms of they can get back to bashing referees online and complaining about things, and just back to normal life, for him.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was just, uh, just as funny. As you should mention bashing referees. Obviously, you, you know that I'm a, I'm a big rugby fan, and uh, I don't know if you've seen the, seen the, um, the news this week, uh, with the, the South African Water Boy slash Director of Rugby, um. <laughs> making a video with all these yellow circles saying all the things the referee missed in the first game between the Lions and South Africa. Um, incidentally, South Africa won yesterday and they deserved to win. I'm not going to be bitter and say they didn't deserve to win, but during the game, I found it very difficult when there was refereeing decisions being discussed on the big screen and stuff, not to think if this doesn't go the way I think it should go, it's because of the influence of a of an, you know, the video. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if you saw any of that, Nick. Um, if you if you have any comment on that,
1: um, I saw I saw some of the rumblings behind it. I didn't I didn't see what happened. So I didn't get the context. But I thought obviously there were there was contention about issues with the referee and potentially with being more. I saw I saw one bit about him obviously being more favourable towards the Lions in terms of not only the decisions but kind of communication and the and that little highlight that Sky Sports was showing kind of couldn't necessarily disagree with the South Africans. There was a point where uh, the South African captain was going across and obviously trying to discuss some kind of decision, and there seemed to be a little bit of a a lion's like uh, little lion's party around the referee, in which case, from from similar to hockey, is it not the case that kind of, in that scenario, don't they normally kind of tell everybody else to shoe apart from the captains, and, and they'll have a bit of a chat? But it did seem that he was quite dismissive of the... Uh, quite dismissive yeah. of the South African captain and just kind of continued to talk to the bunch of Lions players, so... Yeah, I think I
0: think my point of issue with the video was that there was issues where the ref they went through a list of like 26, 30 issues that the referee could have penalised the Lions for Um and rugby, unlike ice hockey, is obviously, there's more rolling about on top of each other. It does happen in ice hockey, but not as frequently um, yeah. and... If the referees called every single minor infringement, then what happened yesterday will happen again, where the half-last 62 minutes. Um, my issue was, was, with the video was not the fact that he he had an issue with the refs communication, incidentally. I think that one of the things that I took away from the video, which I, I, I tip my hat to the to Razi Erasmus on, was was the fact that the referee's body language and communication I thought was bad, but I think he went through the wrong channel to do that because he's now the referee's being accused of being racist. The referee's being accused of being like on the Lions payroll by some nutters on Twitter, and I don't think it was the right way to go about it. But it does it what it did highlight for me, and I, I suppose in ice hockey in ice hockey terms, we can apply this is. Um, and maybe for our exams, Nick, that we've not we've not finished writing up yet. Um, the communication with the officials is key, and there's a there's a difference between being polite and being assertive. in In the case of, whereas mm-hmm. the the Lions captain, I felt he got went up to the referee, made his point, and stood stood his ground. Whereas the I felt the South African captain was polite, but he wasn't assertive, which didn't help with the referee and that the referee should communicate with them both equally, but it just shows the human element of refereeing. Um but I was just thinking, um, how many issues um on a lighter note, how many issues do you think we'd get from the referees uh in nationals if we managed to do our own yellow circle video? Um like okay. the <laughs> do, you, do you think do you think we'd 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 actually break YouTube if we if we did our own video.
1: I think so. Also, I'm 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 not sure Joe really wants uh, an hour and a half long segment of uh, of us with yellow circles. Uh, (laughs) Unless like there is a problem with the ice and somebody breaks down or something, and we do need to fill some airtime. I think uh, maybe maybe just leave them guys uh, do it. Yeah, Uh, but no, it was. uh, No, some some bits and pieces there were kind of just a little bit surreal to an extent in some of the stuff going on.
0: Yeah, I I think the issue the issue for me with the video was it
1: came from the
0: the the coach of I know he's not the main coach, but the coach of a a a side that had lost. Um, And then, because the video was so public and so kind of one sided, you're then your brain. It was difficult to sort of just watch the game and enjoy what try and enjoy the rugby. Um, although there wasn't much rugby played yesterday and it, that was what the ugly part of it for me was uh, it kind of ruined it, it's almost put an asterisk on the whole thing um, I just thought on a lighter side we could maybe talk, talk about our own, our own referees and the issues we have I mean in terms of talking about referees and stuff I, I think it is important to discuss referee indecisions in sport I think it's part of the game um, I don't know, do you agree with that Nick? Do you think that is important?
1: Well, I think a lot of people forget, first of all, that at the end of the day, the referees are 100% required for the game to go ahead. And a lot of the time, like, they're not obviously professionals. They are human and even professionals are human. <laughs> and like, especially at the kind of level of refereeing that we're talking about, like, someone might not be been referee for very long. You, you've got to give them the... There's a difference between being very irate about a decision and being upset about it, which, I'm, you know what, I can completely understand and I've been there before, but then also taking a step back from it and realizing, right, well, actually, okay, there's definitely no kind of malicious intent about this. The, the only times that I've ever really lost my head about it is when you get the kind of response that then takes you off in terms of, okay, the person's maybe not admitting that they've made a mistake, but actually they're admitting that, oh, I did see that, I just decided not to call it kind of thing, and it's like, well... That's where that's where I take a little bit more of an exception to it, or you get the kind of interaction that well, I, it's a personal thing now, and it's that's that's when problems come from. But then, again, that's different levels of referee, and it's very few and far between in some cases. But yeah, um, maybe a good job for nationals that we don't do yellow the circles because um, it could be quite interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I think so. Now, um, Nick, just before we move on to some some slightly lighter stuff to wrap up with, a um, little bit of an update. I don't think we're crossing any lines here. Uh, we are hoping um, to have some sort of season next season in the in B I H A land. Um, I think the general chat of our of our little meeting the other day was um, that we're going to see uh, we're going to let teams kind of see how things go in the first semester. Um, getting teams back on ice is important encourage you to play friendly matches because that will be allowed I don't think there's any restrictions Nick um, nope. although we are encouraging teams to like get the players to test regularly and stuff like that because obviously if you can prevent <laughs> a Covid outbreak it would be good um, albeit I know you all want to get back on ice um, and you know if you've got a mask why not wear it I mean I don't know about you, Nick, but, you know, at 10 o'clock at night, I'm not the prettiest person in the world. I'm not the prettiest (laughs) person in the world anyway. I mean, so wear a mask for a public service to everybody else when you're going there. Yeah,
1: it's it's more of, again, not preaching here, telling people what they should and shouldn't do and how they should run their clubs, but, like, even with people coming back, even just finding out from people if they are double-jabbed, like, if they have been and had the vaccine, like... Obviously, if you listen to the news and you see stuff, it's full of this this rhetoric that the under-30s and especially the under-25s are the group that's kind of resisting or I don't know whether this is a student-type thing that it is that kind of, well, what you can wait until tomorrow kind of thing. I don't know. But, again, it's about kind of asking questions of each other in terms of, like, you're not necessarily pressuring someone to do it, but it is good to know if there is someone in your, in your club who, who, who isn't, up with the vaccine or isn't taking it like you have to keep an eye on that to an extent yeah And yeah. And, and appreciate that not necessarily that you have to peer pressure that person into doing it but hey it, i i know if i'm turning up and i've got 50 members in the in the kings or however many angels next year or wherever it might be and and everybody's double jabbed and everybody's still <clears throat> kind of on the same ballpark of taking precautions to keep everybody safe then then happy days like yeah. It, is, uh, it is what it is.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't think we can, you know, you and I can sit here and tell people what they should be doing with their own body. Um, you know, mm-hmm. if, they, if they choose to not take the jab, then, yeah, you know, who are we? But um, I think job. it is important to try and have those discussions with people and just kind of work out you know, what you're working with and things. Um, and, and uh, you know, I'm not saying you should pressure people, into, but the vaccine, it my understanding of vaccine is it doesn't actually protect everybody else from you. It kind of protects you from getting really, really sick um, if you get COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, that could be huge. It could change the recovery time, um, et cetera. But I think, you know, the main thing, I I think the main message that we need to go there is, is keep trying to be safe. Let's, you know, let's not share water bottles and stuff like that because you know that's going to increase the risk of, of transmitting COVID to someone else. Um get the team to buy their own water bottles um individually. Uh if you're not sure about buying water bottles, a little plug here, Apollo hockey uh, run by Nick <laughs> Ivan, will supply you with the water bottle. Um and little things like that, you know, um to keep keep players from um essentially like reduce the risk. Cause if you have a COVID outbreak and you know, before you go to nationals because you've been dumb and not done little things, then you're gonna kick yourself and be really angry. Um, you know, because simply if a team if we find out a team's got ten players that have got or ten close contacts with COVID, we're gonna to have to make a decision as a committee as to whether or not that team can compete in nationals. So um yeah, just keep yourselves right, I think is the message, Nick. Is that is that
1: yeah <clears throat> Be, be cautious, but obviously we are trying to encourage people to go back to the rink and back to training and back to playing games and mixing as a group. But there are going to be different levels of, of comfort that some people have. There are going to be some people who are, who are quite happy to just jump back to normal. There are going to be some people who it's going to take a little bit longer. Like, that's not only within your club, but that's different teams and different ways of looking at things. The other thing that you've got to look at here is, guys, don't, don't just think because we're going back to some kind of normality that COVID's gone, as, as Rambo's just said, could very quickly, suddenly there's a COVID outbreak and, hey, we all, we all know in university hockey, it happens in a very short span of time when you actually think about it. If we're going to start doing some slightly more organized things in January, you get a COVID outbreak in the third week of January and have to miss first two, first week or first two weeks of February by the time it goes around everybody. Hey, right, that's, that's a lot of time hockey wise. Then, and the other thing I'll, I'll i'll give i'll give a little case story here uh, there was an example yesterday where we, we were back on the ice having our training session and uh, there was one of the uh, i'll not mention him by name but there was one of our guys who i do know that has had covid twice uh during uh, during the 18 months it was his first time back on the ice in a very long time and this was nothing to do with his fitness because he's a generally pretty fit and up, up there guy if you know what i mean he he was actually really, really struggling from the, the breathing aspect in terms of not necessarily being unfit or not even being hockey fit, if you know what I mean. He he was saying that this is remnants of kind of COVID, if you know what I mean, kicking around. So just, just stay so – we, as we preached the whole time, just, just stay safe and stay vigilant and let's just be sensible. Like, I don't think anyone wants it to turn out that there's been an outbreak between two teams and then it, it's kind of – spirals out of control from there. We, The only way that this is going to work moving forward and that we're going to get back to any kind of normality and, and having nationals and having cup seasons, et cetera, is by everybody being sensible.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And um, yeah, I think if you just, uh, as I say, take precautions. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, the way I look at it is if, you know, with the water bottle thing, for example, I was not a big preacher of that. We used to have team water bottles Um, back with the Eagles days. It was, that was the norm when I was growing up. But, you know, if your team got, if somebody in your team got the measles or the mumps or meningitis, and I hope no one ever does, but you would all take massive precautions to make sure that didn't spread amongst your team. COVID can be just as serious for people that catch it or for people's you know, you might go home, go and visit your gran and you take it there. Um, So just take, take it, take precautions. Now, the other thing I was going to say, just finally, while we're being serious is also respect the people in your club who maybe don't want to come back straight away, who maybe don't feel safe. We've had, we've had a couple of people who are like, I'm not sure I feel safe coming back. I don't think it's dealt with enough for me to come back. Um you know, we're all sitting on a bench together, there's heavy breathing. We all have to change kind of together. Um, and that's that's fair. Um, if they decide to do that, keep in touch with them. Don't ignore them and forget about them because they will eventually probably want to come back. But make make, you know let those people take their time if they have to. Don't be forcing people back um, to, to the sport um and the same with uh, like borrow kits and things like that you know try and get one person using a borrow kit and it's kind of their responsibility or something don't be sharing it around everybody just little things like that can help um but yeah the hope is that once you guys registration actually opens uh first of august which is the day we're recording um again for the new season and um, it'll be back to full price because we're back to full season um but uh, yeah, once you guys get, you can get friendlies going again, and there's no restrictions on that. Um, and it'll be more informal. So if you have a couple of old, we're not sure about eligibility for nationals and stuff, there's not been a decision necessarily made on that. There might be changes to nationals in the and the type of tournaments we're running to, to accommodate all this. But um, yeah, just um, keep, keep, keep. Uh, you know, you can you can if you need to sign a goalie that's not a student or something to start off with to get a few a few friendlies in, then do it. Um, because we we had a few guests at our game and witness that hadn't played for Steel Queens before, probably never will again, and they signed up and uh we had a great time. So just you know, keep in touch with people, get people on nice and and enjoy it. Don't get too hung up on the small things, I guess. Uh sorry, Nick, I've rambled. Uh <laughs>
1: No, that's all good. It's all, <clears throat> Rambo, it's all it's all relevant and stuff. It's all it's all correct. Mm-hmm. The people out there, if if you're if you're stepping in and running a club for next year, you it's it's a big job. You you've got to set the you've got to set the foundations for moving forward. There's a lot of clubs that are going to be either down to the bare bones or whatever it might be. And 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 stay in touch. Like whilst there might be rivalries on the ice, everybody's been in the same situation off the ice in in whatever aspect that might be don't, don't suffer in silence. If you are struggling as a club or you've got a problem that you're feeling like you can't overcome, please do, please do approach myself, Rambo, whoever it might be. And the, the last thing we want to see is, is, is losing clubs here. And we, we were trying and moving forward pre COVID, we were trying to grow the sport and grow uh, the British university participation, not only on numbers, but numbers, for females, female clubs, but, doesn't make a difference if after post COVID we, we move backwards from maybe the stuff that we've always uh, we've always had. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, just uh moving on. Uh, Nick, um, couple of, couple of little things to quickly touch on. Uh, Kent have a new logo. Um, very nice. I do like it. Quite quite mm-hmm. nazy. Um, well done, Kent. What do you think?
1: Yeah, pretty pretty. Um be very interested to see, uh, I'm guessing it's probably just going to be the same looking jerseys with that new logo and I think it'll look fine, fits in, fits in quite nicely, does the job. Yeah, um, UCL
0: have a new logo, a new Yeti's logo. I'm not sure I've ever seen a Yeti portrayed with horns before um, and I'm pretty sure they were established after 2006. Uh, But maybe someone from the Yetis could clarify. Maybe they've been training and stuff before then. I have no idea. But uh, yeah, the Yetis ones, it's it's all right. What do you think?
1: Uh, It it gets a a passing grade, but I I don't think it's going to get any extra credit, put it that way.
0: Well, I mean, they're still the same colour and that's always been... There. Yeah, which always is a, is a bad
1: starting point, but yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. The, the Yeti's logo has never been it's a, as big an issue because you can't see past the colours of the, the the varying degrees of purple and like sort of Man, Unite, uh, Man City blue. Um, and then, yeah,
1: well, I, I miss the the various jerseys and the various shades of purple that you get in one weekend.
0: Yeah. And then, of course, Nottingham now have a new logo where it's a, it's a coup. Um, we looked up and technically, you can ha- a maverick is defined as being some kind of li- livestock, which could be a cow or or a, a horse, um, but it's unbranded. And we we did get into the discussion as to whether or not the N on the on the cow's neck um, is uh, is a branding and whether or not they've actually kind of spoiled their own logo by putting their their old logo back on it. Um, uh, Nick, what do you what do you think of the Ma- the Mavericks logo?
1: Um, I'm not going to go quite into the similar depth that we did the other night. Um, for 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 those who obviously weren't party to that conversation, um, I'm I'm not a fan. Put it that way. We'll leave it there.
0: Yeah, I mean, I believe the the exact thing was we hope the Laughing Cow cheese brand. Um, is sponsoring them uh, <laughs> um but i actually quite i quite like it in a sort of you know a novel sort of way um because it's a bit different to that sort of just plain sort of end with a circle um sort of thing they've got going on so um
1: my uh, my, my only question is that uh, the cow the bull whatever it is has it got shoes on or shoes off <laughs>
0: I have no idea. But, you know, good to see teams still active doing things, even if it's just changing their logo about. Um, right. Finally, Nick, uh, just quickly, because um, I think we've talked longer than we probably anticipated about a lot of other stuff. Um, what, what sort of content you've been consuming recently? I mean, we, we talked briefly before we came on about the about the Olympics and um, I don't know, I was just going to quickly ask you, as a person I know is quite into their Marvel, have you seen the the, uh, the Falcon and Winter
1: Soldier series? Uh, so touch, well, I'll, we'll touch on the Marvel stuff first because I'm sure we might come back around about the Olympics. But um, yes, I'm up to, fully up to date with that. I know that the, um, the kind of the alternative Marvel animated thing comes out in a couple of weeks' time, but it's 10 episodes and it's one a week, so I'm probably going to wait until... Till the end and try and watch that all at once, but no. Watched um, watched Wonder Vision, then watched um, Falcon and Winter Soldier, and then I've recently just watched Loki as well. Which, um, if you've not watched Loki yet, I think it's well worth uh, well worth a watch. Kind of basically shows you the direction direction Marvel's going to be going in for the for the near future. So um, that was pretty good, and kind of now haven't had a chance to go and see Black Widow yet, but uh, kind of now looking forward to. Maybe with the world getting back to normal, and certainly, hopefully, fingers crossed from my professional point of view, the cinema industry getting back to normal, uh, we're going to get some big films and and start getting uh, the next phase of Marvel rolling. As I'm sure anything else?
0: Yeah, yeah, I've seen Black Widow, and um, it may be because it was the first time I'd been to cinema in a while, but it's actually um, possibly the most I've enjoyed a Marvel film in a long time. And I am going to go out on the limb here and say that I actually preferred it to Endgame, <laughs> which yeah. will be controversial to a lot of people. Um, but yeah, no, I, I I thought it was it was great. I thought Florence Pugh really added something to it as well. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, you could maybe criticise the the Russian accents um, that were in it, but yeah, apart from that, I, it was really good good fun movie. Um, that good mix of serious and comedy that marvel seems to sort of walk the line of and um, that i quite like so um yeah i've not watched loki and i've I kind of i've watched one episode of Division, but i watched it with with lindsay who's uh not into a comic book kind of stuff um and uh, i was very confused and lindsay spent most of the time asking me what was going on which
1: yeah well one division is a bit of a slow burn you need to get through the it's a good job they're not the longest episodes anyway unlike loki which are I think an hour long, but, um, yeah, for division, you have to, you have to get, once you get three or four in, you'll, you'll, you'll know where you stand.
0: Okay. Well, I'll, i maybe get back into that. Um, yeah, the Olympics, Nick, I, I, I could talk about how I've now caught up with Walking Dead and I'm wait, waiting, for season 11, but I don't think I'll bore anyone with that. Walking Dead kind of loses its way after the, the Saviors War a little bit. Um, but, um, yeah, the Olympics. Um, I don't know what you've been you've been catching up on the Olympics. That, oh, the first thing I want to just briefly touch on is the BBC coverage has been awful because the Olympics made the decision to sell loads of rights to Discovery Plus, um, and so I ended up taking the free trial of Discovery Plus and then kind of deciding that for thirty pound a year I would give it a bash. But I can understand why people don't want to do that, and it's been kind of rubbish because a lot of the you know the more Minor, minor sports that people don't really watch as much are, are lost um, on the BBC. So I, I don't know, what have you been watching in the Olympic?
1: <clears throat> yeah, I used to love, obviously we had 2012 was the was the groundbreaking moment, wasn't it? When basically everything, you could watch anything at any point on the red button. And hey, who doesn't love occasionally? Like, I'm not being funny. I, I'm guessing Rambo, you don't often sit down and, and search for the badminton and sit and watch badminton for an afternoon. No. Or you don't, you don't suddenly come across the water polo and think, oh, I don't even care that Team GB aren't playing, but, like, there's two pretty good nations having a good go at water polo here. This is a pretty good entertaining watch. And you can't really do that this year because it's just not – unless you're going to go down the Discovery Plus route, and I don't even know even what you can get on that. But, like, yeah, slightly disappointing. I'm sure the BBC are slightly disappointed as well, but it is what it is to an extent. But, yeah, um, good to see GB doing well, as usual. Yeah. Um, Obviously, for some reason, we've now become uh, supremely good in the swimming pool. I know we were always pretty good, but not normally this good. So um, maybe they did get all the other drug cheats out in time. Who knows. Controversial yeah. topic. <clears throat> um, uh, rowing, obviously, traditionally we do really well. We seem to be doing royally badly at the minute. So it is what it is. It all comes to like. Wait, wait till they get in the in the velodrome. That's when. That's when Team GB normally kicks into gear.
0: I have to say that I wouldn't sit down and watch cycling, but cycling is one of my favorite the velodrome cycling in the Olympics is one of my favourite things. I absolutely it's love it. Me- it's cycling. mental. Um, you know, the, from the long distance races to the short distance races, the velodrome is where it's at. For you know, that's the highlight
1: of the Olympics for me normally. But I- the one that the one that I enjoy the most, what's it called? Like the Kieran or something, where obviously they s- cycle around for about 200 laps. So obviously, every 10 laps is a sprint and you get points and all that kind of stuff. Or, I think the the, the Keering the, the, the the behind the uh, the scooter, I think. It's oh, cool. yeah, yeah, that's that's the one where they start. Yeah, that that one's crazy as well because then they have the whole kind of uh, the one on one one's pretty good as well, where they kind of like circle around for a little bit and then go mental in the final corner or whatever it is or in the final lap yeah that one's pretty good where it's well, like it's like, a called the nice sprint,
0: sprint but it starts off with them going really slowly and that, yeah it's, it's yeah. awesome um, but the, the, the velodrome I think starts to night um, essentially uh, obviously through the night and um, that's the other thing it's harder to watch because it's in Japan so I, I think there's a viewership loss because it's in Japan as well and um, which isn't Japan's fault Japan should absolutely have the Olympics but you know if it was in France, we'd be watching it because it's only, we're only an hour behind France. A lot easier during the day and at night time. Whereas we have to kind of, if we want to see it live, you have to either sacrifice how good you're going to be at work on a, or on the next morning, <laughs> um, or or sacrifice um, your uh, you know your, your
1: um, you know just take the day off. Frankly. Um, but well, this, is the, uh, this is the thing as a sports fan, what COVID has done, fair enough, I know we've had a, a long wait for some of these things, but it's crazy to think, we're watching the Olympics right now, it's, the common, it's less than a year to the Commonwealth Games, which obviously normally there's a two-year wait, which is obviously the mini Olympics to an extent, and then there's only three years to the next Olympics in, in general after that anyway to Paris, which obviously is going to be a lot easier to watch than Tokyo, again, not Tokyo's problem. But then, uh, yeah, it's 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 great. It'll be, it'll be I think it'll be really interesting to. There's obviously with it only being three years. I think you're going to get a lot of Olympians kind of being like, right, well, I'll just stay on and we'll, we'll go again if you know what I mean, which is is different to what it normally is because for a lot of them it's kind of like, right, well, that's me done. I ain't doing this again in four years' time. That's too that's too long.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um... The other thing I find about the Olympics is quite funny is you, you, you end up being like an expert in, the, in a sport that you watch for literally 10 minutes um, every, you know, every four years or whatever. I mean, I, I turned on the other morning just before I was going to work and the diving was on with obviously Tom Daly and stuff. And I'm like, oh, look at that guy. He's not a straight entry into the, into the pool there um, and all this sort of stuff. I mean, there was an the obvious one where the Mexican guy went in feet first. Um, which is obviously <laughs> a good dive but you know there's there's some of them that you're like oh, no, 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 that that's not right and you're like what the hell do I know about diving you know I mean like my, look at the size of me my only move is a cannonball so I don't know anything about diving <laughs> you know but um I appreciate these guys that do the diving and and all these other little you know all these other sports that you wouldn't watch and and one I want to touch on briefly Nick and I, I would love to see an ice hockey version of this is um, the 3v3 basketball. Um, It's, uh, I know people are like, oh, they've already got basketball. Why are they going to have a shortened version of it? Well, it's kind of makes it basketball, which I can find, take or leave, very exciting because you have three, it's three on three. It's half court, essentially. um, And basically it's like Schoolyard street basketball, where you have to, you know, check in, um, you have to leap, if you get the ball, you have to, and you're defending, you have to go out over the three-point line to come back in. Um, It's first to 21, 12-second shot clocks. It's fast, non-stop, pretty much, and it's brilliant. So I just wanted to give a tip of the hat to that, because I, I absolutely, that's been one of the finds of the Olympics for me, um I've already said to Lindsay Paris 2024 that's where I want to be I want to be at the 3v3 basketball um and hope it doesn't clash too much with the rugby sevens which is my obviously one of my favorite sports but um I don't know if you caught any of that Nick but it's it's some something else I, I quite I'm quite glad Tokyo's got like every sport on, uh, under the sun in it because it's uh, it, there's something for everyone um to, to 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 enjoy um i don't know did
1: you catch any of that yeah i saw um i saw a couple of little highlights of it to be honest i, I was there's been tons of stuff going on this olympics where i've been like hold on is it, you, you'll see something on social media and you'll be like is this the olympics and then obviously you see the brand in the background like tokyo 2020 or whatever and you'll be like what i didn't know this was in the olympics but no the um i did catch a little bit of one of the basketballs the other day um i was kind of looking at it being like this is just wild mm-hmm. um yeah, to be honest, I would much rather see, um, so so here's one for you, why, I would much rather take out, so as an example, there's Rugby Sevens, perfectly fine with that, it's a different format of the game, it's not as wildly publicised, I don't agree with uh, soccer, as they want to call it, football, being in the Olympics, I don't necessarily think it's as as critically needed to be supported in that way, if you know what I mean. I would much rather see, why don't they put futsal in there? Or um, didn't they used to, in Brazil, they obviously had, like, the beach, the beach football or whatever it was. yeah,
0: that's pretty big. They use a different ball and you play bare feet and stuff. Yeah,
1: I'd, I'd rather see more niche versions of stuff like that in terms of, like, to be honest, do we really need to see the NBA players that can be bothered to go win for America and win a gold medal? Like... I'd rather see three-on-three basketball than than, than full normal basketball of the, the game of let's see who's if it's close in the last two minutes because then it might get interesting.
0: I think especially when you've got these sports that there's a bit of a clash or there's no, can I put it, like the NHL as well and ice hockey have kind of almost, I know that they're going to go to 2022 because it's in Beijing and that's a big market for them, good for them. But... um you know, the NHL pulled their players from from the Winter Olympics, and so then cheapens a the tournament. And and then they go, oh, we're going to do this World Cup where we'll have Team Europe and, and all and like Team North American. Uh, well, it's not a World Cup; it's just nonsense. Like you know, um, you know, Czech Republic and stuff like that have won Olympic golds within the professional era when the NHLers have been there. So, you know, why do we need? We just want. The best players from each country playing in one tournament a year is that too much? Uh, one tournament every four years is it too much to ask?
1: Uh, right, exactly. Which uh, at the end of the day, for for a lot of this is what this is where it's different. You get like the NHL. For a lot of NHL players, they would the only thing that is vaguely on par with winning a Stanley Cup is potentially an Olympic gold medal. Mm-hmm. It is that big of a deal? Like I'm not being funny. I'm sure you're not going to get many uh, professional footballers being like, "Oh, I never won an Olympics. Damn!" <laughs> like it's not it's not that big a deal. Like if it's not if it if it's honestly not viewed as that big a deal at that point, why give that opportunity to people who do care? If you know what I mean? Yeah,
0: yeah, and I think that's the thing with the football. Like I think um, the women's football seems to have the best players in the world still playing it in the Olympics, whereas the the men's football I think you're only allowed so many players over 23 or something. Yeah,
1: you're allowed three three players over 23. I think it's squads of 18 or something. So obviously they're not very big squads anyway, but I just yeah, I just don't see the... Mm. It's not got that same magic to it in terms of like, I'm guessing I'm, I'm not the world's biggest Rugby Sevens fan, so I'll, I'll divert to your comments on this, but I'm sure the Olympics is a large part of the Rugby Sevens calendar in terms of teams do aim for yeah. that, slash is factored into the, the schedule, if you know what I mean.
0: Yeah. I mean, rugby sevens, um, the, the guys who are playing the rugby sevens, they're the best sevens players in the world because the sevens circuit, they don't have, occasionally you'll get like, you know, a player from 15s who maybe has asked to play sevens or something like that, come and play in the sevens. But generally these guys play rugby sevens and that's their career. Um you know, like the New Zealand team, most of those guys, they will play 15s in various tournaments, but they're big time international sevens players. And that's what makes it so, the Olympics so good, because then you've got like GB and stuff. So every four years, um, they've got it. Whereas what's kind of irritating about maybe football and and even the basketball is that the best players aren't putting their names forward for it because they're not as interested. Um, And like FIFA, for example, it's a tournament where you don't have to, you know, international games. You have to release your players if they want to go and play for their country, um, in certain windows with FIFA. But the the Olympics doesn't count for that. So then you get a disparity, and that's why you get kind of weird, sort of sometimes. I think Nigeria won the gold in the in the football. Now Nigeria, quite a good football nation, but you wouldn't expect them to win the gold uh, to win the World Cup. Um, yeah. You know, and so you're not getting the best players winning winning the Olympics. And occasionally it's like maybe a player who's a bit kind of towards the end of their career will go, I want to play for my own country in the Olympics and try and win a gold medal. Um, But you're not getting the best players in it. And I always think that Olympics should be about like the absolute pinnacle people of their sport showing what they can do. Um, And I don't think necessarily these sort of sports that have almost been too professionalised work and I think if you had rugby 15s, I think it wouldn't, It might work because I think a lot of people, like, there is a sort of feeling in rugby to allow that to happen. But I don't think it would be the same. I think you'd still get, like, the, French, the French-based players, French clubs would go mental and they wouldn't want their players to go to the Olympics and stuff like that. So you'd get this kind of weird watered-down version of it where potentially a country like Great Britain would be beating teams like the all like the um, you know like Australia and, and New Zealand and stuff because their players might not go and they might send a more amateur squad. So, not that we can't ever beat New Zealand, but you know what I mean. It's it's just one of these things where I don't think it would work with a sevens work. It, would, it,
1: would, it would take the shine off beating New Zealand. Yeah, it certainly would.
0: It. Yeah. So I mean. Olympics is all good, um, Nick. Um, I realise that we have probably talked for the longest podcast we've ever we've ever done, um, and we both. I, I said to do this since I was going out with Lindsay and I were going to be heading off um, to visit her grandpa, um, and I think we're meant to be leaving in five minutes time. So, and I've not had a shower. A that, probably we, uh, put it here then. Yeah, I'm a little bit in the doghouse. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's been good to catch up. I, I appreciate this as a pod about absolutely nothing, um, essentially, but it's uh, it's good to catch up. And we, we hope everyone that's listening, um, if you're still with us at this point, um, John Monkhouse, hi, um, then uh, thank you for staying with us. And um, and thanks for staying, in, you know, still being interested in the BIHA, because I know we've been away for a while, um, but we are... We have worked in the background. We have had some informal chats and um, we're hoping that we can get some kind of season next season. Um, maybe at the start, it'll be really informal. The second semester will be a little bit more structured, but still informal. Um, and, then, and then nationals. So um, keep in touch. Keep in touch with your players. Keep safe. Um, and look after yourself. I think I don't know if you've got anything to add to that, Nick.
1: No, I think you summed up pretty well there, Rambo.
0: Oh well well, thanks very much for that Nick and uh, I'm sorry to cut this short even though we've probably talked longer than we should have um, but that's a goodbye from me
1: and a goodbye from me